This is the Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Graybeal. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business and Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Jared Graybeal. And on today's episode, uh, per usual, we issue a once a month teaching that lasts under 20 minutes, but this is a little different. This is a bonus interview episode with Jason McCarthy from GoRuck. Uh, and if you followed me at all, or uh, if you're on social media at all, um, you probably know what GoRuck is. And uh, if you watch the CrossFit Games at this point, you do as well. So really cool. Jason actually lives in the same area that I do of Jacksonville Beach. We were able to connect and get on the show. Really looking forward to it. Jason, thanks for being on. How are you tonight? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. Um, thanks for being on. Uh, I know that you're busy. Uh, and currently when we're recording this, it's May 7th. We're probably middle tail end of the coronavirus pandemic, just for some context for the audience. So things are a little different right now. I'm sure both of our schedules are a little different. Uh, plus, you're married. You've got kids or kid? Uh, three kids. Three kids. Eight, yeah. five, and three. Yeah. Really very busy. Um, so I really appreciate you making the time to be on the show uh, or the podcast. So, Jason, man, I just want to jump right in. Um, I know the Go Ruck story, but for the audience, could you maybe give like a five minute version of like the inception of Go Ruck, uh, your military roots, and kind of how it's played out to where it is now? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, joined, enlisted in the Army after 9-11 because of 9-11, was not very happy. In fact, very much the opposite about what happened to us on, on 9-11. So it took me a while to figure out what that should mean. Military didn't really run through my, my veins. It wasn't the family business, so to say. But eventually went, went down that path and joined Special Forces and went to Iraq and, and Africa. I signed up to go to Afghanistan, but... You don't always get to pick where you go in the military. They, they have a say, you know. And at that time, I was, I was married to, you know, I'd love to say she's my high school sweetheart, but we never actually dated in high school, right? So, you know, you yeah. got to find the courage sometimes. Sometimes it comes later in life. Yeah. And, and so we, we were married. She, she was a case officer in the CIA. So she was working in West Africa while I was in Iraq. And it was kind of crazy. But I, I went after my tour in Iraq, I went to see her and I just built a, a basic go bag or a go ruck for her with supplies, extra stuff, special forces mindset stuff, you know, and built that for her. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next with my life because I was going to move there. And she's like, hey, you should do the go ruck thing. And she basically meant, you know, hey, you should build stuff for people and just apply the special forces, you know, way of life or whatever, whatever that sort of, sort of meant. Cause it's, it's pretty adaptable. Yeah. And, you know, to sort of slow it down a little bit and, and it's like, that was just a really chaotic time in life. Right. I mean, I'm in, I'm in the military. She's in the agency. We're, we're married for four years. We never lived together. I'm sort of on the next mission. She's on her next, you know, whatever. And it, it's, a. Uh, we had sort of hoped to skip to the end and get there and life was going to be perfect, right? Like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And it just kind of didn't work out that way. So we, we got divorced and, you know, went our separate ways, which was really hard. And, you know, come full circle, we ended up getting back together, but that was some years later. 
Wow. And I got the dog. I got the dog and sort of trying to figure out what to do with my life because I, I got out of the military, so I have no job. I have no wife. I have no sort of mission. I don't know what I'm going to do. And the idea for GORUCK had still just sort of stuck. So it was a hobby. It was something to do. And it started out with, hey, I'm going to import, export stuff into Africa. That, that died on the plane flight home, right? Now, then it sort of turned into, okay, well, I'll figure out how to design a backpack or a rucksack. How, how hard can that be? Well, it's, it's really hard. <laughs> it just takes time. Anything yeah. to do well takes time. And so it took time. And I, I eventually figured out how to put two steps, two steps forward at a time in my life and uh, went to business school. So I was in business school and sort of, you know, working on GORUCK stuff, but it's still kind of a hobby and figured out then how to get the manufacturing side built up. What year years. is this? Like in where we're at in the story. Yeah, yeah, good, good question, frame of reference. So this is, uh, I got out of the army in 2008. So we're, we're talking, I, I went to business school from uh, 2009 to 2011, graduated wow. in 2011. So this is, this is, you know, the early stages. And, and then I have this bag, it's, it's GR1. And I'm like, man, this thing's awesome. Everyone's going to want this. And nobody wanted it because nobody had a clue who we were. And we're building it in America. So it's really expensive and yeah. all that kind of stuff, right? And so came up with an event. So I guess I should say first, you know, in special forces, you're a gear dork. It's just, you have to be. It's life or death. You go out of missions with very minimal equipment, relatively speaking, right? So you, what you have is just always quality. It's literally life or death. And so... I drew on that background for the gear side and then drew on the training side to come up with an event called the Go Ruck Challenge. And that was a rucking-based event, right? Rucking is just put some weight on your back and, and go for a walk or sometimes a little faster, right? And that's the foundation of special forces training, okay? And so that team event, the Go Ruck Challenge, the first one of those was September 25th, 2010 in San Francisco. And, and that was the moment where GORUCK clicked for me. It stopped being so much a hobby and it started to be a, a real passion because I got to take what I'd learned in special forces and, and teach people that way of life. And it's really hard and it's really challenging and it teaches you how to deal with adversity really well. And so, you know, it, it, was, it was just a really rewarding event and we started leading a lot of events and we had the gear to kind of support the, the, the business side. And so it, it just been doing that ever since. And now we have about a thousand events a year when we can get back to running them. And, you know, and, and the gear has kind of followed suit as well in terms of, of growth and such. Yeah. So at your first event, 2008, how many people showed up or 2010, how many people showed up? Yeah, it was like 10 people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm I had a bag trying, trying to picture it. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, I so it's, so here's what it is. Cause just to break it down really simply. You've got a Green Beret, uh, a SEAL, uh, someone in special operations shows up on a random street corner, or I guess a, a, an organized street corner where you have positioned as a start point. And there's 10 people, 20 people, 30 people. That's the class. And you're with that class for 10 to 12 hours for, for that event. There's shorter ones, there's longer ones. But at that time, that's what it was. And it's a guided tour of a city. You stay together the whole time. The instructor, we call him cadre, is with the class the entire time. And you just pose challenges to, to leadership and to 
adversity on on the class and you bring them together you mold them into a team like they did for us in, in the military i love that man that's that's so cool and i think it, it obviously one of the reasons why it's probably so popular and it's grown a ton um is because it and i i don't know how to say this the right way but a lot of people are scared to be in the military but they want a military experience like i hope that comes off right uh to the audience who maybe yeah, <laughs> That, that's honest, man. I've heard variations on that. And I think that I, I view it very positively that, yeah. look, the only reason when the only reason I joined the military was because of 9-11. I was 22 when the towers fell, right? I'm a military aged male. Like it, 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 it's time, right? It's my time to serve. That's how I felt. And if I'm 10 years older or 10 years younger, maybe I don't join the military. There's a lot of luck. So I'm not sitting here on some high ground saying, yeah. I joined the military and nobody else did. I think there's a million different ways to serve. And I think that that's the greater inspiration for people is get out and serve something. Mm. And so, yeah, so it, 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 it's, um, shit, I, I lost my train of thought. What were we? we were I, I thought on the service. Uh, no, it's okay. You're, that's okay. Um, we were talking about the challenge being sort of like uh, a, a a mild replica of being the in the bridge military. between the military and the civilian world. Right. So that's the bigger point of it is the go rock challenge. It takes civilians and military and it says, Hey, here's a day in the life. Right. And it's almost, it's, you know, 80 plus percent civilians. And so for us, what I love is this idea of exposing people. Sometimes it's the first green beret they've ever met or the first seal or the first, Sometimes it's the first veteran they've actually spent real time with. Yeah. That's how, you know, knowledge is power. And that spreads a lot of really good vibes because someone comes to this event and then they have this really positive, uplifting experience. They take that back with them for the rest of their lives. And, it, and it's sort of, that's the real benefit. It, it, it kind of, you know, ignorance, it, in, if you don't know what something is, then you, you kind of fear it a little bit and not in a good way. Yeah. And, and so America has gotten to, America loves her veterans and it's awesome, right? Like the support is unwavering and it, it, it makes all the difference in the world. The, the risk is that we support the veteran cause without understanding what it means. And so this is a small way to go through an experience and it's no joke to go through an experience and just learn about why camaraderie in the military is so high. Because it you 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 embrace the suck together. You're out there together, and that's what it's all about. I love that, man. And I think uh, it does help because you know empathy is rare, right? So like um, them doing a ruck challenge, 12, 24, 36 hours. You know, um, you can gain a lot of empathy. And of course, like you said, America like like we all love veterans. Like who doesn't love veterans? But you go through a a 12, 24 hour ruck, you have a whole new respect and appreciation. Um, and then of course, empathy, right? Like that was, that sucked. I embraced the suck. I can't believe people do that every single day, you know, on the front lines to, uh, to protect and serve. And so that is really cool um, to connect those, to connect people in that way without them having to enlist. Right. Um, that's really cool. I love that. Jason, what do you think for you? Like, what do you think is the greatest obstacle that you've ever had to overcome to get to where you are today? Like the most memorable experience. I mean, 
I sort of there's three three things in my life were really really hard, really hard. Like the first was high school. Yeah, high school was you know, it's it's hard to be young and not know to feel the burden of expectations and to not know exactly how those are going to manifest and to not be equipped with perspective enough perspective anyway and so you know high school was really challenging for me my my parents my mom and my stepdad were kind of going through divorce my i had siblings that were a lot younger right this isn't a pity party this is just this is the adversity that i went through yeah and you know high school was a challenge i was you know like a late bloomer i grew awkwardly right i'm i'm pretty tall and and I was short until I wasn't, and it just yeah. kind of happens fast. And, you know, it's it just one of those things where the school was really challenging. And that, it just, it was a grinder. And I say all that because I feel like it's easy to forget that kind of stuff. And when you see someone who's in high school, whether they're cool or whether they're not, or whether it, it's hard, right? You don't have to be at war to, to go through something that's hard, right? And, you know, the, the second was like the, the special forces qualification course, just my time as a green beret, earning the green beret, and then going to war was a, a really challenging exercise. And I say that physically, but the physical wasn't the hard part. It was just the mental part. I mean, the, the mental preparation for, for that is, is really difficult. You know, it's scary. I was afraid to die. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to let my teammates down and I didn't. And, and yet, you know, there's a lot that you have to process and you have to do it. That, that's a journey a man has to walk alone, a man or, or a woman has to walk alone and you have support, but you have to walk it. And, you know, the third thing that was challenging was just going through the transition out of the military that led to divorce and, you know, all of the kind of, the, the, the support fabric of my life was just undone. And, and that's really challenging. And so I say that to kind of validate what others are going through out there with transitions in their life or adversity or veteran transitions and all that stuff. Like it's hard. You can get through it, but it's, but it's hard. Yeah. It's a radical transition in your identity. Um, you basically have to be a totally different person. You have to, you have to reinvent yourself. And and the hardest part is in in some way, you'll never be as cool as you were quote, quote, cool as you were when you're hunting bad guys in war. Like that's, that's sort of the avatar of something. Right. And and I don't see that. Like it just is. I mean, pure masculinity, you know, I get it like toughness and all of those things that just as a, as a homo sapien, you're like, ah, you know, and, and like, you know, that's, that's, it takes some time to get through the, the self perception of what you should be. And you can't play that game forever, you know, no matter what you can't play it forever. And so, yeah, the transition is transition was not fun, but you know, there's so many rewarding things that, that have come afterward. It's, it's been, 
know, nothing worth worth doing is easy. Yeah. And it's been it's been a really rewarding journey to kind of focus on taking what I've learned and reinventing myself. That's been rewarding. And I think the idea of reinventing ourselves is is a constant. Um, you know, because we're if you're not growing, you're dying. And so the reinvention, I don't think, is like this finite experience or like this seasonal experience. I think it's a constant thing, at least if we recognize it. Um, to. I mean, because look, how many breaths, how many breaths do you have? Right. And you sort of say, well, what do you want to do? Sit on the front porch, smoke your pipe and tell war stories from way back when? I mean, like, look, I, I'll, I'll burn some I'll burn some wood around a campfire with with the boys and and tie one on and, you know, t- tell a good story every once in a while as well. Those are really rewarding times, the, the brotherhood. But life has to move forward. Yeah. And so to do that, you have to find a new mission. You have to find purpose. You have to find value. And the easiest way that I've found to do that is to focus on what I can do to serve others. I want to take this time to transition um, to, to our, current, <laughs> our current state, right? So talking about changing, we're talking about adapting, evolving, um, reinventing ourselves. What, you know, what are some of the changes that you've made, uh, personally and professionally in regards to the pandemic? Like, how are you dealing with that? Anything, um, any reinvention there? Yeah. I mean, a a lot, a lot has changed for us. And, and yet one of the things is that for, for me, you know, chaos is, is opportunity. And I say that on, on every level. And now, granted, my one kind of asterisk on this is if, if you're on the front lines and you're, you know, a nurse in an ER in the Bronx or a doctor in, 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 in the Bronx in, in the ER, I mean, that's like a gunfight you just have to get through, right? So it's an opportunity to really serve others. And, and that's great, right? I mean, God bless you. Thank you. Now, for most of us, there's an element of, hey, be smart that kind of goes without, well, I'll say it. It could be it doesn't go without saying, be, be smart, right? But the other, the other part of this is now is the time to focus on the basics, to focus on the fundamentals, right? First off, you have to take care of yourself. You have to, right? It's kind of like, you know, in, in, when you're on the air, the, 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 the plane, right? And if the oxygen mask comes down and you have an infant, you, you give yourself the oxygen first so that you can then help your infant. Like yeah. that's how this works. And so, you know, this is one of those things where physically, mentally, it's, it's a stressful environment. The more that we can do to slow things down, if something's a really big stress in your life right now, think about how to reduce that stress, right? Overall, the basics, the, the, the fundamentals for me have been, we, we turned our garage into a, literally just got sandbags and rucks and, uh, you know, there's a workstation in here, a standing, standing desk table as well. And we've been working from home a lot more. So that's been an adaptation home. I've been working out more just because there's natural stressors out there. I can't get quite as many miles in, especially when it's, it's just kind of, we've got kids and schedules are hard. So 
introducing some routine of, of physical fitness has been great. You sleep better. You're, you're less stressed out when you're done. That makes you better prepared to deal with others. And in my case, you know, ki- the kids are feeding off of, of us, off of me and Emily. So if we're stressed out, they're going to be stressed out. Yeah. And so trying to reduce that. And then, you know, even on the, the business front of GORUCK, I mean, we've just kind of pivoted toward providing value to others, which is a lot of it is how to train more simply, how to still take care of yourself, right? I mean, whether it's this kind of workout or that kind of workout. And we're just, you know, interviewing on our podcast, you know, interviewed uh, a doctor who got coronavirus and how did he deal with it? Interviewed some wow. people about what does leadership look like in a time of, of chaos? Like what, what can you do to sort of weather the storm? And look, now is not the time to start thinking about 10 years from now. Now is the time to really focus on the fundamentals and like, you know, don't, don't spend $10,000 you don't have. Don't like try to solve this with, with e-commerce retail therapy. It's not going to work, right? Like focus on taking care of others and, and the ones that, you know, I, I've, I, I call my grandmother. I try to FaceTime my, my dad with, with the kids, stuff like that. To just check in on other people. I think that's really good because, you know, we're, especially in America and Western culture, we, it's go, go, go. Uh, you know, we have everything at the drop of a dime, which makes, you know, and it's sort of a buzzword, uh, but being present um, is the most productive thing you can do right now. Um, whereas that wasn't looked at as productivity, you know, three months ago, like being present was a waste of time. Uh, at least for a lot of, you know, maybe entrepreneurs, business leaders, things like that. Um, and now we have to think about today and the people around us because we appreciate it more, um, or at least most of us do. Um, you talked a little bit about it. I, I guess you had the opportunity to talk about it on your podcast, but in your opinion, and this is general, right? It, you could maybe, uh, use this time as a, as an example, but what do you think makes a good leader? Um, if you had to maybe characterize one, one two or three traits, what would they be? So, I mean, I think there's sort of calm under, under pressure, right? And you, you have to be able to, to communicate, right? I mean, because people look to you for, for guidance and direction and, and for, they look to you to calm the situation. Like nobody wants to be, nobody wants to follow somebody who's, blowing in the wind or who's just, you know, frantic. doesn't appear steadfast. Yeah. Frantic, right? Like you need to, you need to sort of slow your universe down and you need to focus outward. How, how can I, how can I achieve what I need to achieve? And if, if right now it's the stresses are money relationships take take your pick right you know livelihood it's sort of look now's not the time to to overspend now's not the time to 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 emotionally shut down like communicating communicating with loved ones is is critical you know like coming up with a plan hey this is this is where we are 
so over communicate the plan. Hey, this is where we are. This is going to be hard, but we're, we're in it together. There's a sort of cheerleader element to it as well, right? I mean, motivating the people around you with, with your actions and your words and, and your direction. Yeah, it's a time like this is sort of, I just imagine, you know, the movies with a guy at the front lines, right? Like um, Brady Part or something, you know what I mean? Like everyone's like, how are we going to get through this? And you just need to be like the guy that's like, I don't know what it looks like on the other side but we'll figure it out, you know, like, um, blue paint on your face and everything. Uh, <laughs> but because at the end of the day, you know, I, I think optimism, uh, precedes opportunity. And as it, if you, if you want to be negative, uh, if you want to be a pessimist, people will not follow you for long. Um, so I think that like being transparent is so important, right? Like you said, communicate the, the reality of it. Um, but be calm and then, you know, mo motivate your people like through this season, because you can't, you can't paint a picture like you once could, especially as like visionary entrepreneurs, we have these grandeur visions. People aren't following that right now, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like somehow some, some very average looking garage gym is, is the new aspirational. Like, yeah. oh, that's right. right. And I think what we'll see is, I think that there will be more simplicity will become more aspirational, right? In, in some ways, you know, everything got, everything was getting more complicated all, all the time. Everything just sort of adds, 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 and nobody takes anything away. And right now, you know, I mean, it, it just seemed like a lot of folks were working really hard to, to make more money, but still be more broke. And you've kind of got, there's a little bit of a reset and Hey, what's going to make me happy? And how do I, how do I work toward that end? And, and I don't mean, Hey, everyone's going to be, you know, sitting on a beach and wherever on a laptop for two hours a day and, and they're going to be millionaires. Yeah. Just sort of the perspective of how do I want to, what do I need in my life? Need versus want is kind of a big thing. And I think the perspectives are, are shifting on that front. Yeah, we're being forced to. Um, so like you said earlier, looking for, I mean, this is an opportunity. Um, like you say, chaos is opportunity. Um, no matter where we are, we just have to look at it the right way. Um, Jason, I was curious, yeah, like transitioning to business uh, question here, what do you think contributes the most to business success? For example, you know, some analysts would say like market timing, uh, pr product or service or culture, leadership. Like if you had to pinpoint one thing that you think is at the, the core structure of every great business, what would you say it is? Well, I mean, there's always luck involved. I mean, if you were all of a sudden had just opened up a factory that's building masks or healthcare stuff, I mean, you're sitting pretty yeah. right now. But I mean... Above all, leadership is the only thing that you cannot, it allows you to control your, your battlefield, mm -hmm. right? And so the ability to kind of adapt and bring others with you on a team, I mean, that's the, that's the only thing that will weather a lot of, of storms. And this is certainly a, a disruption, if you will. And so uh, above all, it's leadership, but there, there's a lot of 
important parts of that, which is, you know, leadership is not just charging the hill. It's the team that you build and the people that you surround yourself with over time and how bought in they really are to, to your mission, how clear you are with your mission and your ability to shoot them straight when, when things change and, and receive feedback. And, you know, and we've, we've focused hugely on what was a part of our business is kind of all of our business right now. And, and that's, that's a huge credit to, to our team to be able to pivot really, really quickly. I mean, nobody wants to talk about travel gear. We're not running any events right now. We're going to hopefully ramp them back up in, in June. We've actually, you know, the, the correction, there's some do it yourself events that we've, the community has, we've empowered the community to run, but you know, events has just been like, not a thing for, for months now. And so you know, the, the training gear and sort of that training as a way of life and here's how you do it stuff has been what we've focused exclusively on. And, and our team did a, did a really great job just pivoting really quickly. So the adaptability meter was, was really high for us. But like you said, it all rises and falls on leadership and then it trickles down into teamwork, um, which teamwork plays a part in the product and the service and everything. Um, I love that, man. Yeah, so it's kind of not an accident, right? I mean, I, I think that what I've seen a lot of is businesses that were building businesses, they're, they're struggling. And businesses that were focused on community and, and true loyalty, not faux loyalty, but true loyalty by consistently, consistently producing more value for, for people, right? The they're able to weather the storm a little bit more. And I'm not talking specifically about restaurants that all had to shut their doors or stuff like that. I just mean, if you're, if you're able to be operational, then a strong community is not something that happens overnight. And, and you find out in times like this, how you did over the, the period of time preceding it, how you did building a, a real community. I love that. And I think that especially applies to people like in the product, you know, and people creating products in the world, like, um, because like you said, restaurants, I mean, it's kind of, that's, that's hit or miss. Um, but in order to be creative enough to keep a following and to keep, to be able to pivot right now, like the community has to, they have to almost want you around no matter what, you know? Um, and you can't, you can't create that overnight. Yeah. I mean, is anybody sitting here mourning the, like the shopping malls are closed. Are, are, are we really mourning this? I mean, it sucks, right? Got it. But the, the places that if you take them away and there's a real loss of value in a time like this, that's, those are the companies I know that I'm, I'm sort of following the most closely and, and the most loyal to. And so, you know, hopefully, and I think we are for, for some, some people out there, or quite a few people, you know, the community that we've built is, is an important part of their lives because it's an important part of mine. And, and so that's been, you know, the sales come or they don't, right? But if, if you have a community, like the company grows or it contracts a little bit, like, you know, yeah. th th that stuff happens with, with these kinds of situations. But th there's always time to rebuild. I love that. There's always time to rebuild. 
Jason, what, who's one leader that you look up to maybe the most, uh, maybe from the military or just history uh, or someone you might know now? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of mentors in, in my life. And, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there, there's always on, on every special forces team, there's sort of one guy, he's kind of like the heartbeat of, of the team. And so my, my mentor on, on our team was, was our medic named Josh, who was just kind of the, the avatar in special forces. Right. And for, for me. And, and so then there was also a, a colonel or group commander who's, who was Colonel Tovo at the time. Now he's retired three-star general Tovo. And he's, he was just a, a natural leader of men. And so he's also chairman of the board at, at Green Beret Foundation. So I serve with him in that capacity now and I've seen him much more closely. And that's been, he's been great to watch and see how he processes that stuff. And then, you know, I, I really just love, I mean, I, I love studying leaders, right? So whether it's Lincoln or Steve Jobs or, you know, any of these kinds of, of people, I really enjoy how they choose to make decisions. And, and I think that there's just a, a lot to learn from, from that end. And you know, nobody's perfect. So don't, don't assume that just because they were a great leader for whatever book that they were, they were perfect because none of us is perfect. But I really enjoy studying the leaders of, of, of the past, you know, founding fathers are easy ones to reference and, and and business leaders are, are important as well. So. Who's your, who are you in business? Who's somebody you look up to the most? Yeah. I mean, I think someone like Bill at Rogue is doing an awesome job, you know, I mean, you know, and I'm, I've become friends with Bill over the years and, like he's, his yeses are yes and his no's are no. And, you know, he's got Ohio roots. I got Ohio roots. I, I understand his kind of way of life up in Columbus. He and Katie are just great people and they run a great shop in Columbus at Rogue. And, you know, they're, they've got bandwidth and they're, they're successful in a way because they're, they provide a lot of value to people. And they, and they put out a great product and now they're able to pivot a lot of their manufacturing toward, you know, healthcare products and, and all of that kind of stuff, PPE and such. And it's, it's, it's inspiring to see when someone wants to pivot to, to do good. Like that's because there, you can always make more money, man. You can always like, go take a, go take a double shift tonight. There's lots of places you can go do that, right? Go turn your Uber app on and go drive some more, whatever, right? I mean, I think Uber Eats is, Uber Eats is probably doing a little better than Uber, but you, you get my point, right? There's always time to make more money, but there's, there's not like the time to do more good. It, it's, it expires, right? I mean, every day you had the opportunity and you know, like what, what did you do for someone else today? And, and what are you going to do tomorrow? And kind of making that part of your, your life is a lot more rewarding. And I guess that's the bigger, the bigger part of this. It's a lot more rewarding than, than just chasing the dollar. Yeah. Yeah. I had a conversation with, um, um, Mark Magna. He owns a chain of gyms in South Florida and he said something that I really love. He said, the most important person is always the other person. Um, 
in any situation, whether it's you and your wife or you and a friend or you and your client, you and your audience, like, uh, and we have this natural ability to, to kind of look inward, right? But the mo- good, in good leadership, the most important person should always be the other person. Um, and that, you know, changes your- How can your- I support you best? Yeah. Yeah. How can I help you? How can I support you? Um, Jason, what, if you could give your 20 year old self advice, what would you, what would you tell yourself? 20 year old. So I'm in, I'm in college at that point. And, you know, I was playing, I was playing college tennis and my biggest, the biggest thing that I didn't know was first off, well, two things. You have a lot more time than you think you do. Yeah. Like a year when you're in college or you're in high school or whatever, a year feels like, like, I don't, I can't do that for a year or or whatever. And it's, it's kind of like find something in your twenties. So nobody really says this, but I, I think we should. When, when you're 20, your, your value on in to, to the economy is basically nothing, okay? I don't care if you have a, a college degree or you have, you know, you know, 100 pounds of muscles on your frame and you can push construction around for free. It's like your, your value is not that great, right? You just don't know yet what you're capable of. And, and you're, you're probably going to try to bounce around about 100 a, a times because you know, the grass is always greener and stuff like that. And so if I were going to advise anybody in, in your 20s, it's find some mission that you really believe in that serves others and dedicate yourself to that cause for a year, two years, three years. For me, it ended up being the military. So I enlisted on, when, when I was 24. And the what I did not expect to happen was the, the impact that service would have on me. So the idea that yes, the army in, in itself was challenging, but it's also fun. That's kind of a different story, right? The, the point here is the rewards that you get are that it unlocks this idea of what you should do with your life. And what's really rewarding to do in life. And, and helping others is, is great. And I, I don't say this from pure kind of Mother Teresa-style altruism. I mean, I was in special forces to do cool stuff. That's, that's, I, I wanted to go do awesome missions and be that guy, right? It's, so it's fun. But the reward that I didn't expect came from just this idea of, of serving others and what that felt like. And so if you get that at a younger age, when you're, you're not, your time is not that valuable, let's just say it like that. And you don't have all these constraints on your life. And you sort of say, you know, that would be really cool to join the Peace Corps or join the military or become a cop, I like take your pick, like go, go figure out how to be an EMT, go figure out those kinds of things, go do something that's going to matter to other people and, and work really hard and pay your dues. Right. And I was never afraid of working hard and paying my dues. I just really 
struggled with where to apply it because I, I thought, oh, I should be a consultant in business because I've got some shiny degree and stuff. And I, I just, I don't think that has to be the route. I love it. Um, man, I've got three more questions for you. These are sort of rapid fire. Uh, what are your top three favorite books of all time? Huh, that's a good one. So most recently, I really loved the Wright Brothers. Okay. So it's not my favorite of all time, but I really love the Wright Brothers. Um, let's see. So, cause it's about some, some kids from Ohio that invented an airplane against all odds, right? With no outside funding. They just kind of, they had intestinal fortitude. They had a plan and they just sort of did it. Right. Um, I, gosh, you know, it's so interesting about the Wright brothers. And I'm sure you read about this, but at the same time, there was a different team of people well-funded trying to do the same thing and they couldn't do it. But these two scrappy brothers, you know, in a, in a, what was it? A bike shop? Yeah, a bike shop in Dayton, Ohio, Kettering, Ohio, where I'm from. That's great. So I grew up with all of that, all that stuff. And that, that's um, I, I really love. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, so almost anything by Hemingway. And, and so I didn't really grow up. Like a farewell to arms is, is excellent, but my actual favorite is a movable feast. So it's about his time in, in Paris as a younger man. And it's, it's one of his fewer, it's, it's only work I've read by him. That's, that's nonfiction. I, I usually prefer nonfiction and, you know, it's one of those things where you can't make up a lot of the stuff that actually happens. So I just really enjoy that, but there's, there's just such a humanity to, to Hemingway. And I didn't understand that when I was younger. And, you know, I had to live a little bit more to understand why the way that he described bull riding in Spain or, you know, fighting the war in Spain was just, you know, you, you go to war and you read Hemingway and it's, it's kind of, it's, it's relevant. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and so that he, he's great. He's great. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved Atlas Shrugged. I haven't read it in, in a long time, but by Ayn Rand, Alice Shrugged and the Fountainhead and, and those kinds of books. And, and those are really about sort of individualism and the hero of the individual. And, and that kind of took, it took a while to figure out for me that the, the great way to phrase it, that, that Rich, my buddy slash mentor is like, to be a great teammate, you first have to be a great individual, but, but then you have to kind of submit to the team. And so Atlas Shrugged and, and those are great about the glory of the individual and the American way that's, that's like that. You know, she was a, a she'd fled so, the Soviet Union and, you know, really believed in the American system. And so that all made sense. And that was great. And then I guess the fourth would be uh, uh, Sapiens. Sapiens is, is the best. Is that Malcolm Gladwell? No, it's um, Yuval, Yuval something, sorry. He's a, he's a professor, a history professor or something in Jerusalem. And okay. it is, I mean, this book will blow your mind. Like, it's, a really dense, it's a really dense book about 
the history of, of our species. And it just puts things into context for you. And for me, it's, it's one of those books I would absolutely, my, my kids will, will read it. They will, I mean, my grandmother growing up was like, you got to read Atlas Shrugged. And so I did, and it was very impactful. And, you know, I would recommend that to, to my kids or to, to anyone as well. But I'd also recommend they read Sapiens because you, you need some perspective. And where do you get perspective? You know, yeah. you know you're not a special snowflake, stuff like that. Where, where yeah. do you get that intellectually? And, and this is a, it's a really, really well, really well done book. Love it. I'm, I'm excited to check all these out. Um, what's the best $100 purchase you've made in the last three months? Like under 100 bucks. I mean, it's like quarantine beers or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> I love it. Um, right? It's, uh, yeah, I mean, we've been in pretty, like, haven't been buying a lot of stuff. So it's it's been kind of, you know, a store run. We go out to Publix once a week and kind of stock up. And and so whatever's on my honeydew list to go get at Publix is, is the best use of funds I, I got going for me. <laughs> Smart guy. All right, last one, man. If you could put anything on, you know, a big blank white billboard on the busiest street you can think of, what would it say? I mean, so we've got a, a Jeep with a big tire cover. It says embrace the suck, right? I mean, I don't know that that's like my life's life's mission. I mean, other things that we've said is like, it's not about you. Okay. And so, and, and kind of by that, it's, it's the same, it's the same concept of, look, we're, we're a lot stronger together. And if everyone's an individual all of the time about only themselves, we will, the the armor will will the cracks will turn into big massive problems right and so the the idea of it's not about you is is kind of look there's other people out there stop stop focusing on on just yourself and that that's really what communities are about you know i mean you look after your neighbors you, know, you see some see something say something, stuff like that, right? Like take their trash out, be nice. Like put their trash cans in if they're out of town. If, they're, if, if someone's throwing a newspaper in their driveway, you know, pick it up for them, if, especially if they're out of town, stuff like that. And so, you know, there, I, I think that this is all an opportunity to kind of focus on our best selves. Like, a lot of people have actually gotten to know their neighbors a little bit more because everybody's at home now. Right. So a lot of people, right. I mean, everyone's just always so busy, you know, busy, that four letter word of busy that, that it's just sort of this camouflage that we try to hide behind. And really it's like, do you have to be that busy? Probably not. And so how do we focus on the things that are going to make us happier on just a daily basis? And I don't, I say happy, not in a trite way at all, not, Oh, this is just a quick little uh, dopamine hit to my brain about oh that felt good. Like it's it's nice when you know your neighbors. Yeah. You, you know, the, 
it's like you're, you're, you're out in your front yard and it's like, Hey, Peter, you want to grab a beer? And you know, my garage is open and I got beers in, in the garage, best hundred bucks I spent, right. Having a couple yeah. extra beers. So Peter or Bruce or, you know, the, it just, you feel like you're part of, of something more than yourself. And, and to do that, you have to kind of submit to this idea that it's not about you. That doesn't mean don't train hard. That doesn't mean don't go do awesome stuff. I believe like that's in our DNA in America. Train hard, go do awesome stuff that nobody else wants to do. I mean, it's literally nobody wanted to cross the, the Atlantic except for the people that did, you know? And so you, you start to say that's, that's just who we are. And, and uh, you know, but then you have to buy into the bigger mission. It's not about you. I love it, man. Well, Jason, once again, dude, uh, especially at this time of night, I really appreciate you giving me your time for being on the show. Um, for the audience, how can they, what's the best way to find you? Instagram? Yeah, we're at GoRuck on pretty much everything and G-O-R-U-C-K. And the best way to find us is to come see us at an event and we'll show you what it feels like. Yeah. And websites are cool, but face-to-face, you know, in the real world, that's even cooler. And you said you're gearing up for your next event and you said uh, June, July? Yeah, June timeframe, unless things go sideways, which you never know yep. with things going on. You never know. So we'll have a, a lot or almost all of our, our events back online. Awesome. And they can stay tuned on the Instagram or the website. Again, Jason, thanks for so much for being on the show. Uh, really appreciate you. And uh, have a good night. Thanks, man. Stop by HQ sometime. I'll buy you a beer. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the interview with Jason McCarthy, CEO of GoRuck. Make sure to check them out at GoRuck.com, at GoRuck on Instagram. And uh, make sure to leave a review. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate if you just scrolled all the way down, left a review, leave some feedback there. And make sure to share the podcast if you enjoy it. I'd really, really appreciate you sharing it on whatever social media platforms you use. And as always, until next time, love you. Have an awesome day.